This is Parenting for the Everyday, a podcast dedicated to meeting parents in the trenches of parenthood. We explore how our faith fits into our parenting. With the help of our guests, we are seeking practical tips on how the gospel can speak into our day-to-day parenting. From the easy stuff to the hard stuff, we want to talk about it all. Welcome to Parenting for the Everyday. This is Holly Dykandrew, and today is a little bit of a special episode. Uh, my co-host Becca is actually out on maternity leave, so we have Sarah Coons filling in for her, um, but she's not a stranger to the podcast. She's actually uh, very involved, so I want to let her introduce herself and kind of give us your role and what you do behind the scenes for us. Sounds good. Uh, my name's Sarah Coons. I guess I would say I'm the executive producer creative producer for the parenting for the everyday so you'll never you won't hear my voice often but I'm always in the room and I'm 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 cutting or saying hey let's let's rephrase that let's ask that differently so uh now I just get to do that live today I guess yeah but today's a special episode it is a super special episode because we're getting to talk about adoption and adoption is very near and dear to my heart, but also to Holly and the guests we have as well. So um, I guess I'm just going to take a minute, introduce my family, and then we can go around and do that yeah. for everybody here. Um, uh, married to Matt. He's a great guy. Uh, we have four kids, uh, two biological kids and two adopted kids. So our sons, Noah and Jacob, are our biological twin boys. They'll be 21 next month, which... Which, how old Feels are you? Odd. Would you like to? No, fill that's that in? fine. No? Okay. Um, and then we have two adopted daughters. We have our daughter Hannah, who we adopted from South Korea. She's 18 years old. And then we have our daughter Naomi, who we adopted from Ethiopia, and she is 13 years old. Yeah, and I don't know if I've actually ever said this on air, but uh, my oldest is actually adopted. So I have three kids. Um, my oldest is adopted, and then I have two biological twins as well. And so I am so excited to be talking about adoption. It's so uh, near and dear to my heart and I think so important to our walks with the Lord. And so today we're joined by Pastor Zach and Pastor Ken. Um, I'll let them kind of talk about why it matters to them and uh, give you a little backstory on their families as well. Yeah, uh, Pastor Ken here. Thanks for having me. Uh, I have three daughters, all adopted. Uh, Kamaya is almost seven. Skylar is five. And Lily is 17 months. So three girls, which means, as I tell people, I'm never right. And I'm never funny. I was about to say, you're in a load of trouble there. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know it and they know it. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Pastor Zach and my wife, Amy, and I have five kids, four uh, biological kids, uh, our oldest four, and then our youngest daughter, Ella, who's four, getting ready to be five. She would tell you she's four and three quarters and she uh, is adopted. Yeah, I think um, it'll come out in this episode. We all kind of have different adoption journeys on how uh, adoption helped create our families. And so I think it will come out in different parts. Uh, but Pastor Ken, will you start just by telling us, like, why did you adopt and, you know, how has your heart uh, grown through adoption and why it's important to you? Yeah, sure. Uh, I wish I could say that I always had a crystal clear picture of what adoption ought to be. And that informed my journey from the beginning. That's that's not true. Um, our, our family's built exclusively through adoption. And so our starting point, although we had talked about it, my wife, Jamie, and I, uh, we had talked about adoption conceptually. Um, when we came to find that we wouldn't be able to have children biologically, uh, that kind of changed things a little bit. More so for me, I, I really struggled, if I'm being honest, uh, with the idea that we wouldn't be able to build a family in the way that, if I'm being honest, I I thought I was entitled to build my family. 
And there, there are a lot of lies in that. I know it's probably a story for another day, but suffice to say, God was, was gracious to me in, in helping me understand uh, who he is and what he promises and his faithfulness. And so my heart for adoption has, uh, has changed um, to, I hope and I believe, better reflect the heart of Jesus. So it is not, um, it is not for us uh, just a way to, to build our family. Certainly that, that, has, that has happened, and I love those three little girls to death. Um, but, but it is, we believe, for Jamie and I, it is an act of obedience um, that reflects who God is and how he sees us as adopted sons and daughters. And I think, Zach, you're going to speak to this uh, in a minute. But, um, you know, you said, Holly, at the front end, that this is a topic that's near and dear to your heart. Well, it's near and dear to God's heart. And so, yeah, our, our, lots of twists and turns in, in our journey um, as we've pursued uh, adoption. Um, but, but I think just seeing who God is and how he sees us and what it means for his for him to come find us. Uh, more and more I'm coming to understand. Not there yet. Um, I still got grown to do, but I can see it a lot clearer now. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I mean, I when I parent um Hannah and Naomi, it's one of the things I've I've that has been one of the greatest gifts of adoption is that it has drawn me closer to the heart of Jesus. Um, so Pastor Zach, what does the Bible say about adoption? Does it say anything about yeah, adoption? It's an interesting question because it's not so much that you would turn to a place in the Bible and see an edict, you know, thou shalt adopt, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but it is present at all levels of scripture. So, uh, you probably see that in, in three ways. Uh, one is, uh, there are a number of significant Bible characters, you know, people in the biblical narrative that are adopted. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the first one that comes to mind is Moses. Mm-hmm. You know, Moses is placed in a basket and ends up being adopted by uh, Pharaoh's family and is raised in that context. And, and, uh, we might think of that as an, an insignificant detail, but in a culture, when the original, when the Bible was written, in a culture that was largely tribal, right, and adoption was not as mainstream as it is now, that is a wonderful way of God legitimizing mm. the adopted, right? It is this adopted guy who ends up being a hero. Right, and that that that's a really significant way of God saying, uh, adopted children are a meaningful part of His story. Uh, I think a second way the Bible speaks to that is it actually uses adoption as a metaphor for God bringing us into His family. Mm-hmm. So there are a number of times in the New Testament where we are we will be referred to as God's adopted children. Um, the language there is that we didn't so much have a biological claim on God. God doesn't love us because he has to, because you know we came from him, even though God obviously is our creator. But the reason the Bible uses adopted language is that God has made the choice to love us, and he has done the bringing in. Uh, we had no claim on him, and he brought us in. And then the third thing is just what the Bible teaches about humanity. Part of the Christian idea is that people are made in the image of God. Therefore, every person has meaning and value, and every person is our responsibility. So as Christians, when we hear that there are hundreds of kids in the foster care system, or as Christians, when we we know of someone who has uh, a need for, for another family to take in their child, we don't ask, why would we? 
we know why we would, right? Because that child is made in the image of God. So it's that theology of who we are as people, and that really uh, we understand that there is something more meaningful uh, on a human-to-human level than actually uh, blood relatives, right? The gospel supersedes that, that that child is my responsibility. And, and that's a big part of our adoption story, because we weren't actually looking to adopt. A family called us and, and said, hey, our 14-year-old foster daughter is pregnant. Will you take? And, and you know, it took us like five minutes to think about it because, uh, well, A, because God was literally kind of dropping a baby into our lap, but also, but also because it was like, hey, we don't have to wonder if this is what God wants. This child's made in the image of God, and if we can love and care for this child— we absolutely should. So I would say it's one of those things where it's maybe not explicit, but it's all over. It's all over the Bible. Yeah, let's uh, kind of switch gears for a minute and talk about some of the misconceptions about adoption. And I think there are a lot of misconceptions. I think um, even right off the bat, I think of uh, the notion that like it's my job to save like these kids. Um, and even as you're talking about like the heart of God and uh, this way that God values them and sees them, it just can get a little bit muddy mm-hmm. with thinking about what our role in it is in it. And so let's like, I don't know, let's just bring air to some of the misconceptions that well, are uh, surrounding adoption. Well, let me start because there's one thing I learned from Ken. So Ken and I have been friends for a long time and and I walked alongside of him, uh, obviously, and in in not in the same way, but tried to be a friend with him as an adoption journey. And he and his wife, Jamie, ta- have taught me a lot. Uh, explicitly from Ken and then and then um, at a distance from watching them navigate. And one of the misconceptions is that adoption is about you getting a child, right? That it's about you. It's about you adding to your family. It's about you fulfilling a need. It's about you. And it isn't about that at all. It's actually about you standing in the gap for a child or for a family and saying, if you can't, we will. Right, and a a big part of of Ken's story that that I'll just testify to is he and Jamie placed themselves in that gap a number of times for children that they did not take home, and I walked through that uh, with them. I saw the pain, I, I saw the difficulty, and they would just do it again and again and again, and and I realized, and it's especially powerful uh, for you, you know, Ken, just being your friend, is that because of their they, them not being able to have biological children, it would be easy for them to think adoption was about them. Mm-hmm. But they just kept standing in the gap, and every time a caseworker would call, or you know, I think their mindset was—in fact, I know it was—hey, it's about the kid, and what we want is what's best for that kid, and, and that's the thing. Adoption is not about you adding to your family. Adoption is about standing in the gap for that kid. Can I just just to piggyback off of that? I wish I'd. I mean, I love that. I wish I'd started there in my journey. Uh, like I said, it's a journey for me too. Um, but also, you know, to your, your third point, Zach, about uh, us being image bearers, you know, adoption for us, we, we have chosen to pursue um, infant adoption, which puts us in proximity to birth families, uh, primarily birth moms, sometimes birth dads, and extended birth family. And even in those, uh, those adoption placements that, uh, that didn't go through, uh, affirming the value of the birth mom and of the birth family. Uh, Jamie, the first time uh, that we were seeking to adopt, uh, it didn't go through, and it was incredibly difficult. And uh, I wasn't actually at the hospital when Jamie got the news. Uh, birth mom was was about to go into labor and changed her mind, as, as she has every right to do. And by the way, that should be something that is celebrated. It goes to another misconception. Uh, adoption is a weird thing where um, if the world was as it was intended to be, my family wouldn't look like it does, mm-hmm. which is weird but true. 
but to celebrate that that a birth mom is saying I'm choosing to parent and uh you know said to Jamie birth mom said I, I hope you're not mad at me you know and Jamie said why would I be mad at you uh I love you and we're praying for you gave her a hug and just affirming in that moment that that the life of the of the birth mom is every bit as meaningful every bit as immeasurably valuable as as the child that right. we didn't bring home right. and i just think understanding that that there are image bearers involved mm-hmm. all around mm-hmm. when it comes mm-hmm. to something like this mm-hmm. yeah. i think another misconception i would say is that adoption is only beautiful right it's like the storybook version <laughs> or the glasses, movie yeah. version and look this is the everyone who talks to me about hey we're thinking about adopting what would you say i always say this i say adoption exists because the world is broken and when you adopt, you're only inviting that brokenness into your life, right? You you are and for life, right? I mean, and, and if you're not ready for that, you know, it, it can be whether that's a, a walking right up to the finish line and having a birth mother again uh, wonderfully decide to keep her child, but but at great emotional cost. Whether that's navigating a, I mean, I, navigating a, a conversation with my three year old daughter who's saying, "Will you one day give me away?" Right, whether that's a 15-year-old who says you're not even my real mom or my real dad, like that brokenness is inevitable. You, you, you are, and I think people sometimes have this idea that that you're you're rescuing the kid, and then it'll only be sweet and only be wonderful, right, all the time. And it, and in fact, it not only won't be that, both be that, it will often be painful, and uh, and you need to sign up for that, not just for the Hollywood moment. You know, we're at her wedding. She says, thank you so much for, you know, because there's going to be a lot of pain between the first day and that day. Now the kid is worth it, right? The kid is worth it because they're made in the image. And it is a wonderful thing that teaches you so much. And But it's a little bit like when I teach the marriage class of the church and I say, hey, you're going to say for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer. Here's what you hear me saying. Of course, for us, it'll be better. Of course, for us, it'll be richer. Of course, for us. But But anyone who's married will tell you it's beautiful often. It's not beautiful only, and that's true of adoption, and I think it's really important to go into it with a sober mindset. In fact, if you're thinking about it, you should make a friend with someone who has done it so that they can bring some reality to Mm it. Yeah, the hope is, you know, that these are his beloved and so that God goes before us and stands in the gap to equip us to be able to, to love these kids well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think, like, I think we're all saying, like, adoption is costly, Right. It's costly on a lot of different levels. I think a misconception is like this idea that we we buy, you know, because there is a cost, a a financial cost that's associated to adoption. And that's weirdly unfortunate, um, but just the reality of it. But I think it's it's costly emotionally. It's costly um, mentally, (laughs) spiritually. Um, But I think that's true for the most part in parenting and in general. And I think when um, when Matt and I have when we have people who've come to us and ask us about our adoption journey and and they talk and they always first, it's always about the financial cost. And one of the things, and I think Zach, you were alluding to this is just, if, if you are approaching this with what is God calling you to and what does he want for you, then, then he will provide. And, and it, and it can look wildly different ways. Um, But I think it's a huge I guess, wrong thinking or misconception to think that a child um, is not worth it or not worth that cost. I I just, I think that's, I I think I I have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. Even with my, we think about biological children, if they were sick, if they had some illness, you would do anything. 
and you know cross any bridge um to find that cure do whatever you need to do and i think that should be the same mindset you know within uh when you're looking at children who you want to welcome into your home through adoption or foster care whatever that might be um holly i would love to hear your opinion just because even your story is a little different from the rest of ours um do you think every household should talk about adoption like should that be a topic of conversation even if that doesn't exist within your household yeah so our family was uh created uh my oldest is actually a distant relative of my husband and so he looks like us and so he as he is we have always talked about adoption and celebrated what god has done Uh, but as he gets older it is really his choice whether or not he shares that part of his story now kids who are different races or ethnicities they don't have that same choice to make right it's pretty obvious that um the way that their family has been crafted and so last year uh at school there was he up until this point has shared his story because that's just been something that we have celebrated in our house and so last year uh, he's in middle school and middle schoolers are are kind of mean and uh, last year uh, he really had um, some hard comments of making fun of him for being adopted or saying things mm. like well at least my mom wanted me um, you know uh, that kind of thing and so it, it was really a hard uh, period to walk through with him to the brokenness that you're talking about in those conversations and so one thing that it struck me is that every house is not talking about adoption I mean mine is because it's a part of my story But what would it look like if every house was saying, hey, the way that God makes families is different. Just like the way that people look different from you, their race, their background, the way they've built their family is different. And what would it look like if houses were talking about that and recognizing that? Um, you know, when, when our kids learn how to say these things and a lot is, is caught than taught. And Mm -hmm. so they're hearing these thoughts, you know, they're hearing things from adults in their lives and different influences. And so that's just been on my heart to say, yeah, I think every house should be talking about, uh, what God does through adoption and then relating it back to how we are all adopted. And so how can we celebrate what God is doing instead of, uh, using it as a a tool to harm people? Uh, okay, let's let's switch to and even talk about uh, if you know a family that is adopting, uh, what are some tangible ways that you can support a family? Because I think a lot of our listeners uh, might not be adopting kids, but might know somebody who is uh, or even fostering. What are some ways that you can or we can support families who are adopting or even have adopted? Because it's not a journey that ends, you know, when the papers are signed. Yeah, I think um, there are a lot of ways, of course, but... I think one of the things that Jamie and I have uh, have realized is that uh, you know as we sit in in this in this room recording this, um, there's a lot less translating that I feel like I have to do with each of you because we've each walked adoption, and so there are just terms uh, that kind of were agreed upon vocabulary. There are assumptions that are laid down at the door, and uh, for a family that is pursuing, or certainly a family that uh, has adopted. Uh, I'll just speak for myself. Um, I love learners. I love when people who, uh, who who don't yet or may never know what that journey looks like firsthand are asking questions. Hey, what's the right way to say this? What's the right way to think about this? Uh, and so many of the things that, you know, I, I feel like I'm teaching even my immediate family now is uh, as as we, because, you know, it's a family affair, uh, with parents and uh, aunts and uncles and things like that, things that I myself had to learn. Because uh, words are powerful. Words are powerful, and you just need to be aware. So things like, hey, um, 
We don't use words like, oh, they gave, they gave their child up for adoption. They put them up for adoption. So those are actually outdated, archaic terms that refer to a, a different time when you literally put your child up somewhere and kind of walk away. Uh, the language of surrender, you know, birth, a birth mom surrendering her child. I'm just saying, if you don't know, if you're out there and you, you don't know something about adoption, just say that. Just say that up front. Hey, I, I'm not sure how I should think about this. What's the right way to say this? There is the humility in that. When I've been on the receiving end of someone really intending to, to learn, it's a beautiful thing. You know, I, I just, I don't expect everyone, to, I didn't know everything. I don't know everything. I've made a lot of mistakes. And so I think a, a tangible way is to just, as you're walking through them, admit what you don't know um, and be willing to have some of those assumptions gently hopefully corrected uh, by the family you're walking with. Yeah, I think the other thing is that uh, it's it's a journey both pre-adopting on the way to and then uh, during and post-adopting. It's a journey full of a lot of emotional highs and lows. And I think uh, two things I would say about that. One is be a person or a space for that family to experience both of those things. I think when adoption is hard, it can be tough to talk about because it sounds like what you're saying is, I wish we hadn't done this or I wish. And I think saying, hey, I know you love, I know you love this child or I know you lo- you're excited about the potential of adopting. It is also okay for you to feel, you know, it's like I like to tell people you can walk and chew gum at the same time. It's okay to feel good things and bad things simultaneously. It's okay for the big things to be a little louder than the good things. It's like with me, you can just be honest. You can just be vulnerable. You're not going to be judged. You're not going to be, um, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think that's what I tried to do when I was walking through it with Ken or other friends of just be like, Hey, this is a night we're getting together and we're happy. Great. It is a night we're getting together and we're scared. That's okay too. And I think that's the other thing is like, feel the emotions they feel. You know, I, I have walked through with a lot of friends who, who think they're going to the hospital and they think they're coming home with a baby. And, and we don't know, right? Some of those friends go in with a high level of caution or skepticism. Other friends go in with blind optimism. And I just match their emotion. If they're excited, I'm excited. If they're sad, I'm sad. I don't try to tell them how to feel. I don't try to protect them. I don't try to, right, just try to match how you're feeling, how I'm feeling. And if we're riding high this minute, great. And if we're low the next minute, that's okay too. And and I think just be a space. And and then, I mean, then you do all the other things you would do for a family that was having a baby, right? Is if, if they bring a four-year-old home, you you, you say, what do you need? You, f- you fill their house. They're going to say nothing. And you're going to say, well, I'm filling your house with stuff I think you need then, right? Like we're going to rally to and celebrate this as a community the same way we would any other situation. And we're going to have baby showers and we're going to have all, all kinds of things because we're excited about this and, and this is, is, is meaningful. So uh, some of it's just do the things you already do, right. but maybe wouldn't think to do in these situations. Mm-hmm. Maybe can I add even don't go in with those expectations, which I think is what you're saying. So yeah. I actually, I brought home a three-year-old. I didn't bring home uh, an infant. And so it was my first child. I was radically unprepared for motherhood. <laughs> I was young. I just didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have. And so, um, one of the first things I did was kind of compare my kid to other three-year-olds, uh, which is a dangerous thing to do in any 
stage of parenting. But uh, yeah, so having friends who didn't have expectations were like, it's okay if my three-year-old looked different than their three-year-old or if they went with me to Target and we were having a meltdown Mm because we were learning how to live with each other. Um, Yeah, so not bringing in your own expectations from your experience of how kids should respond or even how you should parent. Because if you've got a kid who has... Uh, you're walking through something really hard, you might have different consequences than a kid that That's isn't. Right. And so not bringing in those expectations. Yeah. yeah. Um, something I think that we all love and appreciate about Christ Community Chapel, CCC, is our church's heart for adoption and for orphan care and for foster care. And so there's a lot of really cool things that are happening at the church to help support these families. We have an adoption fund, uh, so making those financial hurdles not such a big obstacle uh, for families. We um, currently have a support group for adoptive and foster families that meet once a month. Um, We also are in the works of getting sort of like a resource closet together. So like when Zach says, a four-year-old comes home, we can just go to that closet, grab the things we need, and give that very graciously to families. But I think those are all examples of ways that we can come around families and help support them. So I think something Holly and I talked about is that adoption for those who are sons and daughters of Christ doesn't feel like an option. Like, oh, I, I'll choose to be part of this. I want to. I do think it's something that God asks us to be a part of. So what are ways, like how can people be involved without actually adopting, actually adopting yeah. a child if that's not something God has called them to? Yeah, I think this relates in, in many ways to that, that previous question. Uh, I think just being, uh, being an advocate, being an ally uh, in that space. Um, again, uh, just, I think, kind of learning um, what, uh, as best you can, what's the right way to think about this? What's what's the best way to say this? Um, it's funny, I was just thinking, uh, I, all three of my girls are black. And so, Holly, when you mentioned earlier, you know, your oldest looks like you. Uh, nobody makes that mistake with our family. <laughs> um, and, and there was just so much that I had to learn about hair care and skin care. And I'm eternally grateful uh, to folks that were willing to step into space with us who would, again, we got plenty of, hey, uh, have you thought about this product? Have you thought about, and we'd say, honestly, no, we didn't even know that product existed um, in hair types and, and things like that. There's just, so I just think, um, yeah, both, I think having the humility to be a learner as you come alongside others, but th- there may be opportunities for you to also speak in and just say, hey, maybe you haven't thought about this. And I know that's a tricky business, but if you do it from a place of relationship and love, I think, um, again, we all just have to be willing willing to learn. And, and the other thing I would say, again, relates to that last question, is uh, just, just remember that um, there is always a birth family somewhere, whether they're on the periphery or they're a complete unknown when it comes to adoption, there, there was a family that every adopted child was born into. And on some level, they, they, they know that, they have to process that. And so to, to honor their family, their birth families also to honor that child. And so, you know, things like we, we didn't pick our children's names. Um, we let the birth moms do that. And um, yeah, spoiler alert, Kamaya is not a family name in the Perbucky <laughs> house, you know. Um, but but it's part of it's part of their identity. Mm. 
And so I just say, if, if you're not, if you're not at ground zero of adoption now or later, maybe you never will be, but if you're kind of, if you're alongside someone, just, just remember, and, and there is another family involved that adoption is, is born out of a brokenness again. Um, and just honoring, uh, honoring that birth family, whether, whether, whether they're a known or an unknown, uh, because I, again, I just think again, with transracial adoption, I hate to say this, I've, I've been on the receiving end of some really well-meaning, some well-intentioned encouragements. And, um, it, it is in some ways a devaluing of, of a birth family that made a really difficult decision. The other thing I would say is I think it's incumbent upon all of us within the context of a local church to participate in making the church and even the larger community a welcoming atmosphere for adopted children. You know, buy a children's book where the main characters adopted. Even if you don't plan on adopting, read that to your kids. Say, did you know there are kids you probably know that are like normalize that, right? When you're teaching in a children's classroom and you say, hey, does your mommy and daddy ever do this, right? Acknowledge that other kids don't come from the same background, right? Maybe some kids were brought there by their grandparents or by their aunts and uncles or a neighborhood friend. Maybe some come from an adopted background. Like try to fit that language in where you can. It's some of the bullying stuff too, I think comes from uh, kids encounter, I mean, most of it just comes from her sin nature, right? And it's ugly and I hate it. But but I think also some of it comes as kids just haven't been prepared for, and, and that's where I think it's incumbent upon us to say, I'm going to make sure my child understands the meaningfulness of this, the legitimacy of this, the beauty of this, and that I, you know, I never want to hear this from them, right? I'm always telling my kids, if there's a kid who's left out in the classroom, you be the one who sits by them, right? That's who we are because of Jesus. That's who we are. And I think don't wait for a bullying instance to come up and then lament it or challenge your child who did the bullying, prepare them in advance, right? Uh, help them see the beauty of something. Help them see how normal this is and that this is, mm-hmm. a, you know, I just think we can all participate yeah. in that. Yeah. Well, and I think we normalize that too by saying, who are you as a son and daughter of Christ? Like we are all adopted into the family of Christ, whether or not, you know, that's not a biological family, but that's a spiritual family. So, and I think just simply, it sounds, I know the Christian cliche, but we can be praying, right? We can be praying for those families. We can be asking, like, how can I be praying for you? Um, that is, that goes a long way to know that someone is encouraging you and interceding for you on behalf of your family to the Lord. Um, and then, you know, there is, if you have been financially blessed with funds and you're able to give, I, I think that is also a huge encouragement to families to say, man, people love uh, the adoption and what God has called us to do. And we want to be a part of that. So God has given us these gifts and we're going to support these families through it. So those are some really practical ways to support families. Yeah, I think sometimes we are the answer to the prayer. Hmm. And I think that we should, you know, certainly, I will say that CCC has uh, has provided financial assistance out of that fund for us to build our family. Same. And it's an amazing thing. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. So yeah, if you're, if you're listening to this and, you know, yes, it's an encouragement. That's true, Sarah. It's more than that too, though. Yeah. It is. It <laughs> yeah. might actually be the answer to a prayer. You might be right. the difference between someone whose heart is for this, uh, but who who can't close the gap financially. Mm-hmm. It could be could be you closing the gap. Mm-hmm. Step Absolutely. into it. Yeah. As we kind of wrap this up and close, uh, one last kind of general question. But what do you want everyone to hear about adoption, Pastor Zach? If you would start that, what do you want people to take away and leave remembering? 
I think the biggest thing is probably just that adoption exists because the world is broken and brokenness is everywhere. There's shrapnel everywhere in an adoption process. And that's why if you go into it with a selfish uh, desire to add to your family, it will wreck you because it's just not a place for you will wreck that child and that child will wreck you and there'll be damage everywhere. Uh, you have to go into it saying, I'm stepping into this because of the brokenness, that loving this child in the midst of brokenness is actually the job that I'm stepping in. And that brokenness is going to be with us in year one and in year 18 and in year 35. And that's okay because I know that I, and, and I would just add the motivation we find for that is in the gospel, because Jesus, when he steps into our lives, steps into broken people, broken lives in a broken world, and loves us in the midst of that brokenness. And I think about Ephesians 5, where it says, Jesus is washing us with the water of the word, right, until he can present us to himself blameless. And I think, boy, in my own life, he's got a lot of washing to do, you know, but praise God that he never grows tired of that. Right, He never says, this is more than I, I bargained for. This is more than I. He loves me enough to, to walk through my brokenness with me. And, and if you, you know, it's funny, Sarah, earlier when you were saying finances shouldn't really, and I, I totally agree, like either you're in or you're out, right? Yeah. Don't, don't let money be the driving factor. But I'll also say this, money is the lowest cost you're going to pay yeah. in an adoption. Yeah. It's the lowest cost you're going to pay. And if you aren't willing to pay the greater cost, then I think love and support those who are but don't adopt because that is what the job is. 